0: You're listening to the OneAbus.net Podcast Network. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. And I kept trying to figure out, what is it about season four of Star Trek Discovery that I couldn't put my finger on for? Why is this reminding me so much of something else? And about halfway through, I finally knew, oh, this is like... This time we're going to do Star Trek the motion picture right, is what it felt like somebody said. We're yes. just doing the V'ger storyline again, yes. except this time we're going to try and make shit actually happen during it. <laughs> that is, I, you are 100% correct, and I did not even think about till you just said it. Holy shit. I was shocked that everybody wasn't leading with that.
1: Uh, not to mention that it's the plot of any number of classic Star Trek stories, except they only did it in one episode. Here we get 13 episodes to tell this one story.
0: I've established that I will watch anything Star Trek puts out. I've watched both the animated series, well, all three I guess you should say, because there was an original (laughs) one back in the 70s. I've watched every single episode of every show. I've watched every movie multiple times, except Insurrection. That movie is fucking (laughs) garbage. I have many ideas about how I feel about Discovery in particular, which is kind of the flagship of the new Star Trek shows it's mm-hmm. feels like the one that they're most like using to expand the universe bigger and everything else is kind of like expanding off of that in some ways in fact two of the new shows are nothing but spin-offs of Star Trek Discovery but mm-hmm. I do kind of find find it funny that they've had the hardest time figuring out what the hell this show is even supposed to be. They've just gone from one thing to the next. Originally, it was taking place just before like the Captain Pike era of Enterprise, which is one of the new spinoffs that we're getting, because everybody loved Anson Mount so much in Season 2, playing that role. Count me in in that category. Right. Now it's 900 years later, farther than we've ever seen in the Star Trek continuity. And the only thing that really seems to be that they'll settle on, and because they're constantly like getting rid of characters, bringing in new characters, changing characters. The only thing they've settled on is that every thing that ever happens has to in some way involve Sonequa, Martin Green, Michael Burnham. Thank you for saying that because that's my biggest criticism of this entire series is that
2: there are a lot of people on the show that could be way more interesting if they just divvied up some of the things that they give to the captain. They
1: made a very conscious choice and I think that's common in this new era of serialized storytelling. We're going to tell a story over multiple episodes and you tend to have, have an anchor character uh, you've always had main characters, but at least in previous Star Treks, it was like Adventure of the Week, and each week they could change the configuration of characters. But from beginning to end, this is the story of Captain Michael Burnham, and it works because she's wonderful in the role. Michael Burnham's quickly becoming one of my favorite captains,
0: but goddamn, you have a lot of other people on this ship you could be using. Well, I'm not sure I'm on the same uh, page with you there, Marco. (laughs) Yeah, I'm unfortunately not on the same page. I love
1: the actor. I just wish that they had better material.
0: I will agree to that. Nothing wrong with the actor or performance, but yes. It's confused about what it wants her to be and what the purpose of her. I mean, originally she wasn't even a captain. That was something they were very proud of. Oh, we're following a character who's not the captain for once. But now, guess what? She's the captain, of course. Mm-hmm. We knew we were going to get there. I mean, it has been four seasons, I guess, so whatever. It took four seasons for Commander Cisco to become
2: Captain
1: <laughs> Sisko. So they're <laughs> right in
0: the That's fair. Right yeah, he didn't right even popularity. get his
1: own ship until like four seasons in, so you know.
0: True. <laughs> Which is about when that show goes. It's good. Sorry, controversial opinion. I know. Before that, it was just a rip off of Babylon Five, and then after that, it was even more of a rip off of Babylon. 5. Can it be
1: a rip off <laughs> if it came out before Babylon Five? Chris? It did, did not.
0: It? it did not. Am I come getting out my timeline Babylon mixed 5? up? Yes, yes, you are. That is I'm going to come after you, Marco. <laughs> they literally had to make an under the tab- table payment to the production company from Babylon 5 because there were so many similarities. They took them to court and they settled out of court.
1: Well, guess which one of those shows I watched and which one I didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't want to bitch about getting my Babylon 5 platform. I'm going to say I'm Chris. Joining me is TC. Hey, hey. And Marco...
1: Live long and prosper. Or don't. I don't care.
0: (laughs) We're all big (laughs) Star Trek nerds, obviously, or we wouldn't still be watching all these other shows. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Like I said, if it's got Star Trek on, I'll I'll watch anything. And... uh, even more so, this has got David Cronenberg in it? I mean, sure, it'd be cooler if he was directing, but, you know.
1: Oh, they'll never <laughs> let Cronenberg into this universe. Oh, I want that so bad. <laughs> oh, I want that so I badly. would kill
0: to give him his own spin-off show that's just like, like, I mean, there's a show coming out about, like, Black Ops Force.
1: I think he's gonna be in that. And and it's gonna be Michelle Yao. What is it, like, Section 31? They've kind of been hinting that for, like, two seasons now, but there is a moment where, you know, they're like. Like, hey, uh, we're in some serious shit. He's like, yeah, it's tough. Here's a guy uh, who's going to help you. I got to go somewhere. Like, literally, the fate of the universe is in the balance. Where the fuck are you going, David Cronenberg? It's like, I've got something even more important to deal with. And they're like, more important? Be thankful you don't know what I'm talking about. So... I have a feeling that's the
0: spinoff. He's some sort of higher up in the Federation, but we don't exactly know who. No one will actually say what exactly his position is, but mm-hmm. clearly he's like, he's got that weird sort of like Guinan if she was a bit of a bitch type of thing yeah. going, you know? <laughs> like, like there's something about him he, that we they're just not telling us like they understand stuff better. And that, that feels like there's a nefarious side to it. But anyway, that's not really what the season is about. What the season is about is this mysterious cloud type thing that's going around and like i said like like star trek motion picture that's moving into galaxies and wiping out planets most notably the planet of book who has become ever since they went 900 years in the future in the last season a sympathetic character who's romantically attached to michael burnham played really really well by david Ahala. i think that's how you say his name um i remember him playing manchester black really well in supergirl yeah yeah, he's great. Oh, he's terrific. So charismatic. He is charismatic. a
2: spectacular addition to this cast. I loved him last season.
0: I love how they used him this season. So he's pissed, to put it mildly, <laughs> but everybody is pissed, and they don't know what to do, because the thing that's coming is just... Wiping out a whole smaller galaxies and just like taking out planets and killing everyone on it. And they can't find a way to contact whatever's doing it. They just know this is some alien race that we've never encountered before. The 10C. Yeah. So what do we do? How do we deal with this? Well, you deal with it in Star Trek way. Well, we can't just blow it up. However, book and this other dude who's a scientist is like, but can't we though? So this creates a division. between Book and Michael where they're like, well, Book's like, I, I say we blow the shit out of it. And Michael's like, well, we know we're, that's not how we do things in the Federation. We <laughs> yeah. try and find another way, which is really the emotional crux of this season sure. is that division. That's the main story. There's lots of little side stories along the way that all are sort of associated with what this bigger bigger picture is. I don't think there really is a standalone episode this season. Everything is in one way or another connected to this bigger picture of what's happening here, which I think it are gonna vary on to some extent i felt like they went on too long with it quite frankly there's a point i got pretty damn bored watching it play out and as well it basically ends exactly like season three does it makes the exact same decision which is kind of a very star trek shrug
1: but it's also very in keeping with star trek it's also one of the oldest sci-fi scenarios ever it's like there's this thing it poses a threat one group of people says, let's just go blow the the fuck out of it. And another group of people are like, no, 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 no. we have to be diplomatic. We need to f- establish first contact, learn how to communicate mm-hmm. it. Meanwhile, the other group's like, we don't have fucking time for that. What if we figure out a way to talk to it and it still says, fuck you? You know, let's just <laughs> go kill it now. And so much of this season is... Once Buck goes off with this uh, asshole scientist, Tarka, who is one of the weakest links in this series for me, uh, nothing against the actor, I just think his character is written inconsistently. Once they decide that they're going to go take the fight straight to this mysterious entity, each episode is like, okay, I figured out how to blow them up, but I need this one particular resource. We need to go fight. That whole episode is about them trying to get this one resource and Michael trying to stop them from doing that. All right, we have this. Now I got to go back to this planet that I was on where I have this other thing stashed away, you know. So it's always constantly just delaying what's a fairly straightforward story. Like I said, in, in classic Trek, this would have been done in one or two episodes.
2: They could easily have trimmed three episodes off this season, combined three episodes. Because just as you said, Marco, those fetch quests could have been one episode and would have been a real kinetic pop and episode of always trying to stay one step ahead of the discovery, trying to get these resources. That could have been a really cool tight episode
0: i think that's the problem though ultimately here is that like marco was saying this is an old story we've seen it before almost every detail of the the outlines of it it's been told so many times the only real addition this is making to that is that it's trying to throw some arrival type stuff in there of like well how would we get in contact how would we understand a race that's that different from ours which is interesting except arrival did it so 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 much better mm, right. and more interestingly. So you're still dealing with something that feels ultimately derivative. And like I said, a story that in older seasons of Trek would have been done in a two-parter, and that would have been enough. I'm not saying there's something wrong with the format of going season-long stories. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. if you're going to do that, they should probably be a little more original and written a little better than this one was.
2: Well, where the plot may suffer in being derivative – I think this is some of the finest character work this show has done because they finally minimized the damn cast down to about five or six main stories. I like Stamets finally standing up as the engineer. He finally feels essential to the running of the ship without having six other engineer characters who are all doing the same damn thing. I finally like him as a character. So while, as I said, the plot might feel derivative, some character work in this season is some of the strongest it's done in four
1: seasons. I think they finally accepted the fact that we have a lot of characters and we need to give them something to do. And every season, they found a way to write off a character without necessarily killing them all the time, but then bringing them back, you know, like, hey, Tilly decides, you know what, maybe I'm more about training the new generation of cadets. It's like, I'm going to go off to Starfleet Academy and become an instructor. But of course, she shows up again, or Commander Nan, who... Went off on her own mission in season three, and now she's back here for a brief cameo or two. They have three Mm -hmm. members of the bridge crew that are like, hey, Michael's like, you know what? I got members of my bridge crew. They're smart. Let's bring them in and see what they think about it, because we're fucking paying them to do shit. So we might as well give them some lines (laughs) this season.
2: If I was Mary Wiseman, she plays Tilly. I would be ticked. Because they literally shipped her off the show to give her job and her character traits to Adira. I was annoyed that I finally liked what they were doing with Tilly, that she's trying to find her place. She found herself as an instructor, and they had something really great to do with her. And then they just were like, okay, bye. Okay, Adira, you're Tilly now.
0: She, Saru, and Michael were the major characters of the show. Yep. They were the triumphant of yeah. the only ones they really spent any real time exploring. And they were doing a lot with Tilly. And then they're just like, you know what? She's off the show. She's doing, no, she's doing something better now, even though there's no announced spinoff. They're not doing a spinoff about her on a medical ship. I'm sorry. No, they're just no, not, not. Right. It's so it's a weird, like, wait, what the fuck is that about? And then the weird thing they're doing with Adira, played by Blue Del Barrio, and her, I'm, I'm still. I guess boyfriend, it feels like they've just kind of shuttled that whole story off to engineering, and you're like okay, so now they're partners with the other gay couple, the doctor and the head engineer, and anytime that they're on screen, it's their story, and they talk a lot about how they're just family, and it never involves anyone else I'm like, well that's weird, is that so in China they can just cut those sequences out entirely? Uh, That's exactly what it feels like.
1: (laughs) I mean, the the gray character, you know, he just finally takes off to go back and he's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a trill. I'm going to go back and learn more about being a trill. Nan was like, I'm going to go back and help my people. Even Saru last season, it looked like they were writing him out. He's like, I'm going to go back and help my people. And then, I guess the negotiations went well because he comes back at the beginning of this season going, I found out a way to do both. You know, it's like, I could, I could help them and be here.
2: I'm glad Saru stuck around because I did think they were going to write him off. And he's got one of my favorite subplots of the entire season. I
0: loved his love story. Oh man, the fact that he has a love story with like a hot older Vulcan chick, I'm just like, come on. That's like, I've waited through all of Star Trek to see this mating scene happen, which unfortunately <laughs> we don't actually get. But...
1: <laughs> It's going to be a really rough pawn far, I'll bet.
2: That was not the intention of the writers when they had that character in season two, when they separated, when they parted ways. It was just the performance of those two actors, assuming that there was a flame being kindled there. So prior to season four, when they knew she was coming back, Doug Jones, the actor, asked, is this to develop some sort of more romantic relationship between these two? And the writers were like, what a great idea. Let's do that. It is now. You know.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and it's one of my favorite plots of the season.
1: Yeah, I think this season also might have suffered a little bit from COVID. You know, maybe not everyone was available. Tig Nataro is notably absent for most of this season until the very yeah, end. More
0: Tig, please. She has a great sequence in the last couple episodes. Yeah, so yeah she that. does. Because I had written a note. I was like, more Tig! Yeah,
1: Where, where's Reno? She's like, oh, she's off doing something. So it's like, she's there But during all this important stuff, we never see her until finally she shows
0: up. I get the feeling her contract is like three episodes a season.
1: Maybe that's what it is. (laughs) It just feels like there were some people who they wrote out or they stepped back or were only available at certain times or they're trying to go, hey, we're going to give you a little bit of a pause here because we've got other characters that we could be developing who've been here since season one and you still don't know their fucking names. I don't know their names yes. it's like hey it's black lady it's asian dude yeah. blonde chick four seasons in i should know their names by now
0: i should know the name of red-haired cyborg chick what is i don't know her name I, i'm like they never <laughs> give her anything to do and if they do it's just we're like you pulled the switch but i can't reach it you must summon all your courage and pull the switch she pulled the switch oh. there was her moment okay yeah and my,
1: cybernetic lady not to be confused with cyborg lady who we only got a name for this, the episode she died. I think in season two. It's like, here's your character development moment and a name. By the way, you're dead now. So it's kind of nice that they're not killing people off. They're just kind of giving them a sideways promotion.
2: Or deciding to add a whole new character and making the computer on the ship sentient. New character, here we go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the voice of Zora, the computer by the the great Annabelle Wallace. Now they've like done a a storyline that harkens back to Star Trek Next Generation, really, where it's like, oh, well, guess what? The computer is now sentient. And so you have to treat it as a sentient life form with all the respect and whatever. And a whole storyline that I thought was kind of cool, where it was like... Like, the computer has to make a decision. If you want to stay being, uh, I mean, we'll put you on a fucking, like, another uh, ship and send you out. Yeah, go do your own thing now. You're a sentient life form. Have fun. But you can't stay in Starfleet unless you actually sign up to Starfleet. You can't Hmm. be the computer of the ship. So you got to make a choice. Are you going to obey orders or are you going to keep being a little bitch? And (laughs) so ultimately it decides to obey orders and and, uh, join Starfleet. And I I like that storyline. I always like the AI storyline.
1: And I love that David Cronenberg was part of that. And it was statements going. I don't trust this fucking machine. You know the the Cronenberg characters like. Well, you know, if she hadn't played ball, I would have just let you go because you clearly can't work in this environment. You know, I, I just love the fact that my two favorite side characters are not particularly good actors. I think that's interesting because David Cronenberg's not a great actor, nor is Tignataro. They are always just kind of playing a version of themselves. But mm-hmm. everybody in this show is like just even minor characters. They're so trying to act Star Trekky, you know. They're trying to commit to these, and then Tignataro just come in. Hey, I got some lines, and they're funny. Here you go. Bye.
0: You know <laughs> they should continue this and cast David Lynch as an alien species who can't hear very well, so he <laughs> yells all the time.
1: <laughs> it turns out the secret to communicating was just to talk louder. <laughs> that,
2: <laughs> you kind of delved into a point that I was constantly writing notes about is how emotional everyone is. Like every moment of danger has to be laced with some sort of conversation where it is not the time, okay? I know I made you upset before, but we literally have 60 seconds before the shit blows yeah. up. Can we hash this out later, please?
0: Yeah, no, This that's the thing this show is most guilty of, which is something that annoys the shit out of me in movies all the time. You're like, they literally just said is 30 seconds left, and you're like spending 20 of it saying goodbye. Fuck that. Uh, you really hurt my feelings earlier, and I got mad, and I'm so sorry about it. I'm like, you're a military organization. <laughs> what the fuck? You don't have to yes. hug every time you do everything. There's an episode of TNG
2: where a ship blows up, and the entire bridge crew watches it happen, and they are obviously affected by it, but they are professionals, they have to keep moving, and the final scene in the episode, Wesley Crusher talks to Captain Picard and is like, that was horrible. Wasn't that horrible? Why was no one affected by it? And Picard gives him a speech about, we are professionals, we have to get the job done, there will be time for mourning, and we will mourn.
1: I'm going to get so drunk tonight, Wesley... Don't think I'm not feeling yeah. this. <laughs> Shut up, Wesley.
0: <laughs> Curling up around my tribble crying tonight. <laughs> it's hard not to compare this to all the other Treks,
2: but yeah. for a franchise that's existed as long as it has, when they retread ground that's been over so well, I think of Spock passing away in Wrath of Khan and that funeral scene and the eulogy of Kirk. And that moment gets me every damn
0: time because sure. of the weight of it matters. Yeah. Well, because we don't see that sort of reaction with things. Everything is more muted with that because they are a military organization in space. They've got, like, rules and structure and they know how to, like, yes, we don't deal with this, like, publicly. We're literally the face in front of the whole rest of the crew. We can't have breakdowns. <laughs> sure, right? Chris,
2: Chris, I'm going to let you finish. But before you do, I know we're under <laughs> time pressure here, but.
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't want I don't want to end this review without telling you about my deepest feelings for you. <laughs> I mean, back to Tig Notaro, like I said, she's not a great actor. They don't give her a lot of big emotional moments to play. Usually they just let yeah. her be wry and funny, but she has a great mm-hmm. moment. A couple towards the end of this season, and one of them is her telling Michael, like, hey, Booker told me to tell you he loves you and to do what you got to do. And then she walks out. And it's like, boom, that's what it should be. It's like, hey, yeah. Here's the mushy part. Move past that. Here's what the guy wanted to tell you. Here's what you need to do. And they didn't make this a big, beautiful speech because I'm Tignataro and I can't do that. But it works because you're like, yes, that is what a Starfleet officer in crisis should do. It's like, hey, he said this. You got to do this. Do what you got to do. And, and, and Michael's just sitting
0: that. there in shock, going, "What?" And then David Lynch is, she said that! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's go to final thoughts. TC, get us started.
2: I really liked this season's main storyline. The fact that you just blew my mind acknowledging the fact that it's Star Trek, the motion picture plot just done better. Probably explains why I did enjoy the Dark Matter anomaly as a plot device. It's a great big threat. I think it's the coolest villain that Discovery has had in its run of its four seasons. For me, this faceless threat allowed for much more character development than we've seen when we have a very clear face to the threat that we've seen over a the, the number of seasons. They finally have a crew and therefore the cast working more cohesively and appropriately than before due to simply not wasting time giving a single line of dialogue to every actor just to use them. They were more than happy this season to just not have people talk and be in the episode just because they're there i'm sure as an actor that's very annoying to be on a show for four seasons and maybe having 16 lines of dialogue total but there it is booker as a full cast member in this season was a great addition and i liked him and michael's conflict there's a lot at stake here their relationship their professional relationship their relationships with the people around them and their relationship to the enemy that's all great well-crafted storytelling unfortunately stretched out three or four, two episodes, too many. I like that it's 900 years in the future and we're boldly going where no Trek has gone before. There's still the issues from the previous seasons, but I'm a less reluctant viewer watching this out of Trek obligation now, and I actually do think I enjoyed this season quite a bit more than I thought I was going to. Because after season three, I was like, oh my god, I don't know if I can stick with this show. I will, because I'm a Trekkie, and I'm obligated to, but uh, how much complaining i am going to do? I think my complaints are the same they've been through all four seasons, but just not as loud as they used to be. So I enjoyed this season, and I'm going to give Star Trek Discovery 7.5 out of 10 intense whispered dramatic monologues.
1: <laughs> Marco? Yeah, I mean, to kind of piggyback on what TC was saying, I mean, I'm going to watch this regardless. Trek is like pizza, you know, even mediocre pizza is still good pizza, you know. Uh, and I'm happy to have Star Trek in my diet. Uh My colon probably <laughs> thinks differently. Oh, wait, I'm not talking about pizza anymore. I'm talking about Star Trek. Like we've said, this season is a little too long. There's a lot of good stuff, but it feels stretched out, or there's episodes that feel like filler, And I think this show is at its best when it kind of swings for the fences and goes, fuck it, we're going 900 years into the future. We don't know what's there, but we're doing it. And I thought the end of this season, without spoiling anything, left some opportunities like that. I I think there was an opportunity for them to really go somewhere they'd never gone before. But then they just wipe their hands of it and they go, nope, we're going back to where we were. And I thought that was a real shame. This show seems to want to just push the envelope, but then always ends up settling on the melodrama and the soft and easy answer. And when they don't do that, then they come up with something good. I wish they'd been a little more daring and had been tighter and found more ways to use this cast or just get rid of the ones who aren't doing much. It's a real mixed bag for me. I had a lot of fun with it, but boy, there were some moments where I was like, man... I didn't need this episode. I can't wait to get to the next episode, which is the one I probably needed. I'm going to have to give this six and a half out of ten times everybody said the 10C, but I thought 10CC, and in my head I was just thinking I'm not in love, because I love that 10CC song, and I was getting a little bored. (laughs) I'm sorry. You say 10C. I'm like, could you come up something better than the 10C? They're the 10CC. Yes, there's some. They're a British band famous for doing a pop suit tune or two.
0: We get it, Marco. Uh, you know, I think Marco's review
2: could have been condensed down a few fewer episodes. Oh, I really so I'm hope critiquing you do. And reviewing his,
0: <laughs> especially those scenes where he gets all emotional on the bridge. What was that? <laughs> Look, man, that was that was my Emmy moment. Of all the seasons of Star Trek I've watched before, this was the most. Human, I guess. I don't know. That's what they're going for with Star Trek Discovery and all the new Star Treks, with the exception of Lower Decks, is like, we got to make it more human, more relatable. I'm like, it was always human and relatable, but you're doing it in a way that's kind of absurd, and I feel like it's getting worse in that sense. I also feel like the first two seasons were taking some pretty big swings and following through on them. There's some big chances they take in those first two seasons, some Big changes to Trek lore, like and the fact they ship them 900 years in the future and say this is permanent at the end of season two, wow, that's a huge fucking big change. We don't see shit like that on Star Trek. Nothing like that has happened since. It makes these threats to do big, interesting things, like Marco was saying, but then goes, okay, well, we're just going to take the easy way out. In fact, one of the only things that they do in this season, in the very last episode, that is a big change to the show is take away one of the only big interesting things that this ship has <laughs> that separates it from all the other starships in the history of Star Trek. So you're like, great. Okay, so now we don't even have your Mary Sue drive anymore. Oh, but <laughs> they're going to fix it, Chris. Are they? Do you think? I feels like they were like, this is too easy for them to get out of situations with well, this ship. I'm not going to spoil it, but they
1: have it. a fast track to get home and fix it.
0: This is fine. I mean, I always watch Star Trek. I can't even say this is the weakest of the seasons. They need to get back on that track of, like, taking big swings and hitting the ball for a home run into uncharted territory. I mean, to be fair, the thing that you were saying you wanted, that just basically would have made it, okay, now it's Voyager, but 900 years in the future. Okay. (laughs) But, you know, make them go another 900 years in the future. Fuck it. Let's see how far this thing goes. (laughs) I would watch that. Anyway, I don't know. I'm a little bored with this, especially because, as I was watching the last couple, episodes where I'm like can we wrap this up please Star Trek Picard season two started which hit the ground fucking running I thought it was like ooh this is much better I can't wait to talk about that one let's hope that that keeps that energy going for the whole season I'm not gonna hold my breath Disco season four it's fine I guess I'm gonna give it six and a half out of ten really cool cameos of Stacey Abrams as the president of United Earth but we're
1: not (laughs) spoiling anything (laughs) But that's not a spoiler, it's a cameo. It is, it is, you know.